0: Ray and the Millionaires by Georges Simenon, Translated by Gene Stewart and dramatized for radio by Malcolm Stewart. With Maurice Denham as Superintendent Makray, Brian Haynes as Inspector Luca, John Rye as Inspector Lapointe. Andrew Sachs as Mr. Arnold, Jane Wenham as the Countess, and David March as Van Merlin. May Gray and the Millionaires.
1: flashing. The yellow? Oh, that's room service. Where's Jules? Oh, just coming. Jules? Yes. What is it? Yellow's flashing. At this hour of the morning? What
2: number? Uh, 332. 332? Three, three, two. Uh, uh, all right, i uh, I'll see to it. What's in 332? Three, three, contest Baberini.
3: The little contest?
2: That's what they call her.
3: It's notice the change in Jules when you gave him her room number?
2: She's very popular with the old boys. It's her childish quality. She's had that sweet for over a year, and I'm pretty sure she doesn't pay for it. Who does, then? The English Colonel at 347. He can mm. afford it. They say he's a millionaire several times <laughs> over.
3: Colonel Ward. Didn't you all take a bottle of champagne along with him about an hour ago?
2: Yeah. Champagne for her, a bottle of whiskey for him, in her sweet. It's the same every night. Regular work. Madame la Comtesse.
3: Madame la Comtesse. Oh. Oh.
1: Madame La Comtesse,
3: who, who is it?
2: The floor waiter, Madame La Contes.
3: Who, who, sure, I'm so frightened. I, I think I, I'm, I'm dying. Sure, please call it off. At once, madame. I'll I get the nurse no, to see you straight away. Oh, no, don't leave me. Not for a moment, madame. Hello, this is Jules speaking. Sweet, please me too. Put me through to the duty nurse and please hurry. Is this the patient? Yes. She's yeah. a bit she Says she's drinking poison. Point? Oh. Have you any idea what? a it? What's this? Yes, I thought so. Bring the switchboard from the sitting room and tell them to contact Doctor Fair, It's urgent. And bring me some hot water. Very well. How are you feeling, my dear? It's the nurse. I've come to look after you. Don't don't let me die. You won't let you die. Doctor is on his way. How many tablets did you swallow? I I don't know. I don't know. I I can't remember. Never mind. Just relax. I'll give you something to drink in a moment.
2: Barbiturates. God knows how many she'd taken. The nurse gave her something to make her vomit. When the doctor arrived, he called the ambulance straight away. Where are they taken yeah. her? The American hospital, Nay.
3: Is she going to die?
2: I don't suppose so. They'll stomach pump her. The doctor gave her a shot of something before he took her off. What's it all about? Some sort of quarrel, perhaps? You know what these people are like. Lots of money, living for pleasure. She and the colonel seemed quite happy an hour before when I took them up their drink. Was he with her? No. Gone back to his own suite, I should imagine. They say he's going to marry her when his divorce comes through. If it's true, it'll be his fourth. And he's old enough to be our father. (laughs) Oh well, that's that. As far as I'm concerned, I've had enough for one night.
3: Hotel George Saint, Good morning. This is
2: John
1: Arnold speaking.
3: Ah
2: yes, uh, Mr. Arnold. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I've been ringing Colonel Ward at intervals since you last phoned. No answer? Uh, no, I'm afraid not. Uh, he hasn't rung for his breakfast apparently, and he hasn't gone out. I'll send someone up to
1: his room immediately. He always expects a call from you at ten o'clock. This time it's very important.
2: I'll do that right away, Mr. Arnold.
1: Colonel Ward? Colonel Ward?
2: Colonel Ward? Are you there, Colonel? Get walk. Oh, my God.
1: Good morning,
2: Luca. Good morning, Chief. jean Le Point.
1: Chief, sir.
2: Anything to report?
4: Nothing exceptional. Uh, fight on the Rue de Pontier. Arrest for soliciting and drunkenness. An attempted suicide. It's all on your desk. Aye. Right. Inspector Luca. Very good, sir. I'll tell him.
1: Anyway,
4: that was the director. Wants to see you at
2: once. Oh, I'm on my way. You wanted to see me, sir? Ah, very good, yes. Coming. Sit down. Thank you. Uh, may I. Um... Yes, yes. Make your part by all means. Thank you. Sir. Now, that robbery with violence report will be on your desk within the hour. I'm afraid that'll have to wait. Something's come up. Sir? Mm. Well, a pressing matter. You've heard of uh, Colonel Ward, the international financier? An Englishman. That's right. Lives at the Hotel George Stank. Yeah, gets quite a lot of coverage in the press because of his financial transactions and his marriage. That's the one. Well, he's just been found dead in his bar. The Mm. hotel manager panicked and got straight on to me. That's understandable. Ward had big financial interests. His death will upset the international markets. Especially if it turns out to be murder. Mm. What's it, murder? That's what I want you to find out. great tact. Discretion is required. Oil the wheels as much as possible. And for God's sake, keep the press out of it. No, it's rather like asking the mice to stay away from the cheese. <laughs> well, do your best. I'm asking you to drop everything else because this case requires expert handling. I've already informed the hotel manager, Monsieur Gilles, that you're on your way. I think you know him. Yeah, I've had dealings with him in the past. Oh, well, very good, sir. I'll get on with it. Thank you, Superintendent. Now, as always, you have my fullest confidence. Luca? I'm going out on an urgent case. When you see him, tell Jean Vier to go through to my office and work on that robbery with Val's report. Le Pointe, you come with me. If anyone asks for me, Luca, under the Hotel Georges Saint.
4: Is it about the suicide? Suicide? Yeah, the, uh, uh, suicide. The contest. What are you
2: talking about?
4: Well, there was something in the report this morning about a countess with an Italian name who tried to commit suicide at the George Saint.
2: Where's the report? Uh, uh,
4: here. Here. In a run of the mill affair. Somebody from the Eighth Arrondissement went to the New Hospital and checked. They said she was out of danger.
2: Well, has anyone been able to question her?
4: I don't know. I'd best get over to the hospital and see what I can find out myself.
2: All right. Come on, Le Yes, Chief. Oh, excuse me. Is this Colonel Ward uh, the late Colonel
3: Ward,
2: sweet? Ah, Superintendent McGray, uh, I am Gilles, the manager we have met before. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, this is my assistant, Detective Sergeant Lapointe. How do you do, sir? Come in, uh, uh, This is Dr. Crayer, who looks after the hotel guests. Yes, Doctor, Superintendent, I take it you've confirmed the death? Uh, oh, yes? Yeah? Have you any idea when? Sometime during the early hours of this morning, I should imagine. Hmm. Only a post-mortem can establish that accurately. May I see the body? Yes, the the bathroom's through the bedroom. Uh, Wait here, Le Yes, sir. here. Oh, thank you. Oh. Yes, I'm afraid a body in the bath is not the most dignified of spectacles. Mm. Could it have been an accident? It might have been. They occur more frequently in baths than one expects. One slip, the head comes up against the rim of the bathroom. But that doesn't account for the marks left on the shoulders, hmm? Oh, bruising. You believe someone helped him on his way? I'd rather leave that to the pathologist. When did you last see the colonel arrive? About a week ago, when I came to give the countess her injection. But well, uh, a countess with an Italian name? Eh? Mm, Pavarini. The one who tried to commit suicide last night. I'm not sure that her attempt was a serious one. She had undoubtedly taken a certain amount of phenobarbital, but I doubt whether she swallowed enough to prove fatal. A phony suicide. Mm, possibly. Look, um, shall we go back to the sitting room? Hmm? Oh yes. You say the colonel was present when you gave the countess her an injection. Yes, I used to give her two a week vitamins B and C, all quite innocuous. What impression did you get of the relationship between her and Colonel Ward? Hmm? What? I think that Mr. Gilles could probably throw more light on that. Uh, um, the colonel and the countess were close friends. They had separate suites, but... Uh, uh, he was her lover. <laughs> the colonel had asked his wife to divorce him. His third wife? Uh, that's right. Uh, everyone in there said expected that he would marry the countess as soon as he was free. Mm. Ah, That could be for me answered, will you, Lefant? Yes, sir. Hello? Yes, hold on. There's a Mr. John Arnold in reception. He must come up. Mr. John Arnold? And the Colonel's confidential advisor. Uh, it was his attempt to get through to the Colonel this morning that led to the discovery. Yes, yeah, all right, LaPanche. Tell him he can come up. And Luca is on the line. It's urgent, apparently. Well, I'll take it. Yeah. Would you tell Mr. Arnold that he can come up, and would you put that call through, please? He wasn't. Hello, Luca. Yes? Yes? What? Well, <laughs> all right. Put out a call and description to all airports and rail terminals. I want a round-the-clock watch, and keep me informed of any developments. Yeah, all right, you'll see see. Well, Doctor, that was one of my inspectors. He's just been checking at the American Hospital about the Countess Pavarini. Oh, yes? Yeah? Now, do you think it possible, Doctor, that if the Countess had taken a dose of barbiturates large enough to kill her, she would have been able, after your treatment, to get up unaided about half an hour ago and leave the hospital? What? Is Monsieur Gilles here? Ah, uh, Mr. Arnold. So I understand, Monsieur Gilles, that uh, Colonel Ward, um, Colonel Ward's body is in the bathroom. May I go through? Uh, um, uh, um, Superintendent. No, uh? oh, that's all right. Superintendent, you, you say the Countess left the American hospital half an hour ago? Yes, apparently on her own initiative without telling anyone. Have they any idea where she can have gone? Well, apparently not, and since she's not come back here, I suspect her intention is to leave Paris. That's why I've ordered a watch from all airports and rail terminals. Have you any idea? Mm, I'm afraid not.
3: Uh <laughs> oh, stupid accident, I suppose.
2: Uh, well that I'm afraid is by no means certain. No? To whom have I the pleasure of? Knowing. This is Superintendent McGray of the Police Judiciaire. Oh, I see. I think you know, Doctor Clare Indeed. Yeah, um, Superintendent, I have a rather full day. If you don't require me any longer, mm. well, my well. secretary knows all my movements, and the hotel has my telephone number. Very well, Doctor. Thank you for your help. Good day, gentlemen. Good day, good day. Good day Doctor. Mr. Arnold. May I ask who you are and why you've come here this morning? Why? <coughs> um, Mr. Arnold, is an important... Let content. him speak for himself, please. Well, oh, if you're going to interrogate me, I wonder if you could do it in comfort. Do you mind if I sit down? No, please do. With your permission, Superintendent, there Hello. are certain matters downstairs which yes. I have to supervise. Oh, yeah. um, of course. Chief, it's a public prosecutor for you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Superintendent Meager. Yeah? here. Yes, I am in Suite 347 at the Hotel at Georgetown. Yes, a dead man in the bar, Colonel David Ward. Well, certain signs do suggest that the death was not an accident. Ah, a very important man, yes, I do realise that. Well, thank you, Mr. Laird, we'll be expecting you.
0: Goodbye. Um, uh,
2: Superintendent. Yes? I, if you're expecting a number of people, do you think I might get them to use this service Mm -hmm. door? If there's too much coming and going in the entrance hall... Uh, it creates gossip. <laughs> By all means, Mr. <laughs> Thank you, Superintendent. Uh, uh,
3: excuse me, gentlemen.
2: Well, I apologise for these interruptions, Mr. Arnold. Uh, you were saying... I was simply trying to make it clear that my friend, David Ward, was an extremely wealthy man of considerable influence. Financially, he was of international significance. Oh. Quite. How old was he? 63. And you were his confidential advisor? His friend. And business advisor. His friend, primarily. Are you staying here? Uh, no, no. At the Hotel Street. Here, as elsewhere, we almost always lived in separate hotels. David guarded his privacy most jealously. Is that the reason the Countess Pavellini had a suite at the further end of the corridor? It was a um, question of discretion. <laughs> Didn't everyone know about their relationship? People may have gossiped. Or was it true? I suppose so. I never asked. And yet you were his intimate friend? Certainly. There are limits of tact and decency, even in friendship. Yes. How many wives did the colonel have? Uh, three. The, the reason he had such a reputation with the ladies was the press's habit, of speculating on another marriage every time he was seen in public with a different woman. Mm, are all his wives still living? Yes. How are they situated financially? Well, they're well provided for. And Countess Favrini? I've no doubt he would have married her once his divorce with Muriel Halligan had been finalized. Muriel Halligan, his present wife? Yes. Did he have any enemies? Not to my knowledge. No one had anything to gain by his death. Gain? I ask you advisedly, who stood to gain by his death? No one. Oh, thank you, Mr. Arnold. That'll be all for the moment. Now the public prosecutor may wish to see you when he arrives. Well, I shall be in the hotel. Uh, Mrs. you will know where to find me. Hmm? No, I shall be in the small bar. I trust that is acceptable, Superintendent. Oh, certainly. Yes, thank you. Oh, um, one thing I would ask is that you avoid too much talk getting around about this affair. <sighs> yes. uh, David was, um, Colonel Ward was an important man. His death will have repercussions, not only on the stock exchange, but in other circles as well. We shall be as discreet as possible. Well, thank you. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh the Point. Chief. Uh, you'd better ring the K, get the technical chaps along, fingerprints, photographs, the works. Oh, and the pathologist, Dr. Pole, of course. Right you. In the meantime, I'll have a look round the suite. Somehow I don't think I'm going to find anything that's going to help us.
0: Please go in, gentlemen. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. I think you mayor of Superintendent Magrane, Monsieur mm. the Procureur. Indeed. Good morning. Uh, Superintendent, this is Monsieur Culler, the examining magistrate appointed to this investigation. How do you
2: do, sir? Superintendent. Well, Superintendent, have you any ideas? Well, none at the moment, I'm afraid. I've had a look round the suite, but nothing of any obvious help. We had a call from Inspector Luca of your office about the Countess Paberini. She appears to be Maud's mistress. I gather she tried to commit suicide last night. Yeah, that's correct. Now she's disappeared from the hospital. Well, I've had a watch put on all airport stations and other outlets for Paris. Uh, a discreet watch, I trust. I. Yes. Oh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Dr. Powell, police pathologist. Uh, ah, Mayor Greg. Dr. Powell, good to see you. Uh, Monsieur Le Procureur and the examining magistrate. Gentlemen, oh, uh, what's going on with the hotel staff, Megret? I actually mm. thought they were going to send me in by the tradesman's entrance. Yes. That's what's happening to your technical people. Yes. Oh, uh, don't close the door. Mm. They'll be up here in a minute. Well, Le Point, see to the photographer and the fingerprint experts when they appear. Very good, Chief. Now, to business. Uh, where's the body? In the bathroom, uh, through the bedroom there.
3: Back? Now, all woman? Uh Oh. Ah, oh,
2: that sounds like our technical chaps now, Lapointe. Yes. You may we come in? Yes, come in, Inspector. Sergeant Lapointe will show you and your men round. Let's Start with the bedroom. Very well. This way, Inspector. Thank you. Can we open the window, to get
1: some more light in here? Uh, is that
2: all right, Mr. Yes, certainly. Yes, sir. Mr. Caller, I presume you want the usual list of personal articles found in the suite? Uh,
1: yes, indeed. In fact, if you'll excuse me, Monsieur
3: le
2: Procureur, mm. I think I'd better go through to the bedroom now to make sure. Oh, yes. yes. Of course, Caller. Uh, well, what a I business it'll be. Mm. You know, we shall see whether Dr. Powell confirms Dr. Frere's opinion. According to him, the bruises... Mm-hmm. What? Well, take that, will you? Repunt? There's a phone by the bed. Very good, Chief. Now, according to Dr. Frere, the bruises seem inflicted rather than accidental. Mm-hmm.
1: It's too close,
2: Superintendent. Hmm? want to word with you? Oh, all right. Excuse me, sir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, Luca?
1: Chief, I've just found out something.
2: Countess
1: Bavarini made several phone calls from her
2: hospital room about nine o'clock this morning. Oh, did they note the numbers? Not the local calls, but she also rang Monte Carlo, the Hotel de Paris. Who did she speak to? They don't know. Well, see if you can find out. I'll ring back. Very good, Chief. All right, then the photograph draft will be at the medico legal in well, part, well, gentlemen, I can now give you my initial findings. Uh, Is the examining magistrate here? Uh, Yes, doctor. Uh, uh, pending my report and the post-mortem, for I assume one will be ordered, I can tell you this. First, that fellow was built to last until at least 80. Huh? Secondly, he was pretty drunk when he got into his bath. Thirdly, he didn't slip. Ah. And the person who helped him meet his end had to use a certain amount of force to hold him under the water. Hmm, Dr. Powell, do you think a woman could have done that? Well, depends on the woman. Well, she's generally known as the Little Countess, which suggests that she's of slight build. Oh, no, it's not size or weight that counts. Uh, anyway, if you'll have the body dispatched to the Medico Legal Institute, I'll try to find out what I can. Yes. Now, gentlemen, if you'll excuse me. Uh,
1: thank you, Dr. Powell. Gentlemen, uh, color out, no?
2: Do you think it should be held? Perhaps we'd better postpone it for a day or two. Yes,
0: there's always the chance of pressure.
2: Well, in that case, it might be as well for us to cast an eye over 332. 332? Three, three, two. Uh, Countess Pavarini, sweet. Uh, shall I lead the way? As you can see, a profusion of everything. All top quality. Masses of lingerie, cupboards full of dresses... Twenty eight pairs of shoes have counted, and a lot of them you. Yes,
1: I,
3: I must confess I have few qualms about having a man's belonging sir.
1: But a woman's. Well, is different somehow.
2: Yeah, that's because you're a gentleman, Monsieur le uh, I'm a mere Frenchman. Well, we must all do our duty, whatever we are. The atmosphere certainly reeks of perfume and alcohol. Well, it's the hallmark of a certain class. Their values are quite different to ours. But then, uh, look at these jewels. ...strewn about the dressing table as if they were things of no value. Diamond bracelet, watch, rings, earrings... ...luxury articles only to be found in special shops. They must be worth a small fortune. I must confess I felt rather the same going through the Colonel's offence. A bedside clock from Cartier, is made of gold. A gold
3: cigar case. A manicure set from some London firm. And at least 18 suits
2: hanging in the cupboard. And you'd find the same in his other hotel suites. Cannes, Lausanne, London... Oh, it's a different world. Mm, well, Mayor we must leave all this to you. Uh, see to it with discretion, hmm? And above all, keep the press out where you can. I will certainly do my best, Mr. LaPont. Come in. Ah, yes, Lapointe, what is it? The phone call you wanted traced, Chief. Hmm? car got through to the Hotel de Paris in Monte Carlo. The telephonist there had more than 15 calls from Paris this morning and can't oh. say who this one was intended for. All right, Lapointe, thank you. Now, I want lists made of the contents of this suite, all the Countess's effects. And all the valuables will have to be noted and handed over to the management for safety. Yes, thank you, Chief. You'll better contact Monsieur Gilles. Is he still in the Colonel's suite? Yes, he is, supervising the removal of the bottle. Uh, right.
1: Discreetly, I trust
2: They're taking it away through the service door. Uh, down the back stairs, Monsieur. That will prevent gossip. Uh, well, let us hope so. Uh, we must be going. Goodbye, Negri, uh, and uh, thank you. We shall be hearing from you. Oh, yes, indeed, Monsieur Le Procureur. Uh, goodbye, Monsieur Keller. Uh, goodbye, Superintendent. Uh, well, well. multi-millionaire built to last till 80 going out by the back stairs uh, miss Arnold hmm? oh uh, superintendent yeah, there are one or two more questions I'd like to ask you if you must but well, can you think of anyone living at the hotel de Paris Monte Carlo whom Countess Pavarini might have telephoned under the present circumstances? Oh, certainly.
0: Jeff van Merlin.
2: Jeff van Merlin. And her second husband. Ah. Yes, he owns the Belgian chemical firm. He's got a villa at Mougin near Cannes, but uh, most of the time prefers to stay at the Hotel de Paris. Uh, they kept on good terms? Excellent. Uh, what about van Merlin and the colonel? Uh, they were old friends. And Count Pavarini? Uh, a bit of an adventurer. No money. And they divorced? Yes. I see Oh, just one more question. Who is the colonel's lawyer? Oh, good heavens, um, he had a great minute. Mm. In London, the solicitors, Philp, Philp, and Hadley. In New York, Harrison and Shaw. In Lausanne... Oh, yes, but only... which of these firms do you think he entrusted his will? <laughs> he left wills all over the place. He's always changing them. Oh, thank you, Mr. Arnold. I'll try not to bother you further. Oh, well, don't forget what I told you. Mm. Be careful, we don't want trouble. No, I never want trouble, Mr. Arnold, and I'm always careful. Excuse me. point I've brought the car, haven't It's by the empty. Good. What news of the Countess? Well, according to Lucas, she boarded a plane to Nice at 10:28 this morning. Did she? Mmm. Drive me to Orly as fast as you can. I'm going to follow our little Countess. Superintendent Maygrave.
0: Yes? I'm Inspector Benoit. Welcome mm. to Nice. Thank you. In response to the inquiry, we received more. The lady in whom you're interested, uh, Countess Pavarini, arrived here about two hours ago. Mm. She left the airport but returned just in time to catch the Swiss air flight to Geneva.
2: Uh, was she alone?
0: No. She's accompanied by an important-looking gentleman who apparently had rung earlier to reserve a seat for
2: her. Did he ring from the Hotel de Paris by any chance? I don't know. They can tell you in the office. Was his name Van Merle?
0: Van seems to ring a bell.
2: This way, Superintendent. Monsieur Van Merlin is expecting you. Thank you. His suite is just along here. I'm Jean, Monsieur Van Merlin's personal assistant. I know he's looking forward to meeting you. He's followed some of your investigations with the greatest interest. Mm. By the way, he asks you to forgive him for receiving you while having his massage, but he has to go out immediately afterwards. Here we are. Please go in. Thank you. Superintendent Megret. Oh, come in, Superintendent. I'm in the bedroom, having a massage. So come in take the chair. Make yourself comfortable. Thank you. I'm sorry to deceive you like this, but I'm giving dinner for 20th and sporting club this evening. It was nearly finished, Robert. Just about, Monsieur. <laughs> uh, I expected a visit of some sort, but I imagined I would merely get a local inspector. That you should have taken the trouble to come personally. Uh, thank you, Robert. Ah, of course, I knew that you would pick up Louise's track. And I warned her this morning on the phone not to try to hide. Uh, not that I really knew what had happened. She was much too frightened to give any details. Almost incoherent. Your bathroom, Monsieur. Thank you. the Same time tomorrow. Oh, no. Wait a minute. I have an appointment. Uh, say four o'clock. Very good, Monsieur. Do you know her? Uh, well, the Countess, mm. I'm afraid not. Uh, she's a funny creature. One of the oddest and most engaging women in the world. Uh, will you excuse me if I take a shower? I'll leave the door open. We can go on talking. I uh, suppose
3: you're in touch with Paris. What's
2: the latest news? Well, the investigation's only just begun. So no, I don't need
3: to police. What about the papers? Did they come
2: anything yet? Not as far as I know. Now,
3: I wouldn't be surprised if one of the Philps brothers hasn't
2: already taken a train to Paris. A oh, Philps? The London lawyers? Yeah. Who could have given them the information? Arnold, oh, of course. As soon as the women get to Oh, you mean the Colonel's former wives? Well, they are the most interesting parties. Mm. I don't know where
1: Dorothy is, but Alice must be in Paris and
2: your own lives in Lausanne will be aboard the first thing of Paris. Uh where are the drinks, John? No. Just bringing them, Mr. Van Levin. A martini, if No, do, thank you? Uh, leave mine on the bedside table. Yes, 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 And, uh, will you look out my evening ties and dress up, Right away, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> I must apologise for getting dressed like this while discussing... Such a serious matter, Monsieur Mekre. It's just that I'm a little pressed for time. No, I quite understand. David Ward was a good friend of mine. We've known each other for over 30 years, and we were partners in a number of enterprises. The news of his death was a considerable shock, particularly a death of that sort. I can well believe it. Are you planning to go to Lausanne to see the Countess? Mm, I may. I assume you know she's there. Huh? I sent her to the Roseanne Palace, where she feels at home. Not to hide from the police, but to save her from being beset by journalists and from all the complications of the to too. She'll be in a calmer frame of mind than she was this morning when she called me from Paris. She was talking so incoherently that I told her to get the first plane and come down to see me. Mm. How long were you married to her? For two and a half years. and We're still good friends. That's why she turned to me. I met her when she arrived at the airport. We had lunch in Nice. She told me everything. You. you don't suspect her of killing David, do you? Uh, look, that would be a mistake. To begin with, how certain are you that someone held David underwater in the bath? Who told you that? Louise, of course. But She saw him. She saw him, and she wasn't attempting to knife. Listen, Superintendent. Even though she's nearly forty, Louise is still a child, and always will be. That's what gives her her special charm. And that's what makes her continually get herself into impossible situations.
3: Your vaginal sufferings.
2: Oh, thank you, Jean. Uh, Put them in for me, will
3: you?
2: Louise was born in Morocco. Her father was a general, and her mother's family were provincial gentry. When she grew up, she persuaded her parents to let her go to Paris and study art. There she met this Italian, Count Marco Pavarini, who fell head over heels in love. He's a real count, but
1: penniless.
2: As far as I know, at that time he was living on the favors of a middle aged lady. Thank you, John. Very good, Mr. Louise eventually got her parents' consent for the marriage, but only after a great deal of persuasion. At first they had a flat in Passy, then a room in an hotel, then another flat, various ups and downs. But they always managed to appear at the usual cocktail parties and receptions and entertainments. Did Pavarini make use of his wife? Not in the way you think. She was madly in love, and she would not agree to at any and even convinced that marco was in love with her too all the same they were always quarrelling mm. she left him three or four times after violent scenes but never for more than a few days in any case marco had only to reappear looking pale and distraught for her to fall into his arms well, what did they live on oh don't ask me what do so many of one's social acquaintances live on hmm? it was after one of those quarrels that i met her They decided on a divorce, and I was sorry for her. I thought it was the wrong sort of life. She was wearing herself out, and would soon lose all her charm in the hands of a man like Marco. As I had recently been divorced, I asked her to marry me. I had a talk with Marco. I gave him a large check and told him to make himself scarce to South America. Did he go? Yes. I had certain means of uh, persuading him. I presume he'd done something unscrupulous, possibly. Louise was my wife for three years. I travelled a great deal, and she went everywhere with me. We were fairly happy. I believe she still is fond of me. She calls me Daddy. <laughs> but that's understandable. After all, I am 30 years older than she Was it through you that she met David Ward? Yes, it was. But it wasn't David that took her away from me. It was Mark who came back one fine day, looking thin and miserable, and began hanging about, rather like a stray dog. Excuse me, I must finish dressing. Yes, yes, of course. Well, what was I to do? I offered to divorce her, and made her a modest allowance, so that Marco shouldn't leave her penniless. I thought that better than giving her a specific sum. And then one day, David started divorce proceedings. And it was his turn to stay the good Samaritan. But he didn't marry her. He didn't have time to. He died before the divorce was made absolute. I'm not sure what's going to happen now. If all the papers haven't been signed, Muriel Halligan may well be considered David's widow. Muriel Halligan. And that's the whole story? Well, not quite. There's what happened last night. Uh, What did happen? Uh, what did happen? Jean, uh,
1: where are my evening ties? Something, this is
2: you Oh, yes, last night, Louise and David dined together in town. They went on to some nightclub. And there, quite by chance, they ran into Marco, to the big Dutch blonde, very much of a smart set and extremely wealthy. They didn't speak, but Louise was on edge until they got back to the Georges Scientist. They went up to her suite, and she ordered champagne for herself and a bottle of scotch for David. They'd been drinking all evening, with Oh, yes. Your time, monsieur. Oh, good. Um, oh, this one, I think. Thank you, Don. monsieur. Uh, does the Countess drink a lot? Yes, mm-hmm. too much. And after a few drinks, she tends to develop a guilt complex and accuse herself of all imaginable sins. According to what she said today, she told David that she was unworthy of him. She couldn't help running after Marco and begging him to take her back. Uh, what did Ward say? Nothing. I doubt whether he even understood. He'd be drinking since five o'clock. It's is usual for him. He'd be all right until about one in the morning, but by two he'd be fuddled and incoherent. I've often thought he might have an accident when he took his bath in that condition. Mm. So they stayed up drinking together, and what happened then? I gather David went back to his suite. That was when Louise started fancying that she must have upset him, so she must go and beg his pardon, which was quite encouraging. Did she? Apparently. At least that was her intention. She went down the corridor in her nightdress, found the door ajar, went in, and discovered, well, you know, she didn't call for help. No, she ran back to her room and flung herself on the bed. She told me at that point she really wanted to die. How many tablets did she take? I know what you're thinking. She wanted to die because that would have settled everything, but she wouldn't have minded going on living. Precisely. The fact remains that she rang the bell in time. Put yourself in her place. It was all a nightmare. When she recovered consciousness and found herself in the hospital, her first thought was to ring Marco. But she got no answer, so she rang me. And that's the full story? As far as I know. But if David was murdered, and I bow to your judgment, I swear it wasn't Louise who killed him. And I have the slightest idea who could have done it. And now I really must go. And I really mustn't keep you. Well, thank you for your cooperation, monsieur Lemmer. Thank you for being so patient, monsieur Maigret. It's been a pleasure meeting you. Jean, if anyone asks for me, I'm at the sporting club. What shall I do if it's New York? Oh, tell them I thought it over, and the answer is no. Uh, Can I give you a lift anywhere, Monsieur Maigret? No, thank you. No, I have a call to make to my office in Paris. Uh, Hello, Uh, Maigret here. Is Luca there? Luca
1: speaking, chief.
2: Ah, I'm calling from Monte Carlo. What news?
1: You know, it's all been leaked to the press. Oh, yes? Ward's English lawyer came over from London. He insisted on a personal interview with the director. They were closeted together for over an hour.
2: Any reactions?
1: Everyone's lips are sealed, except those of the press. Naturally. The journalists invaded the shore Sank and the hotel detective had to throw them out. They're saying the countess may have committed the crime and you're personally on her track. Ah,
2: the usual gut. Is Le Pointe busy?
1: No more than usual, Chief.
2: Good. Now, get him to find and interview Count Marco Pavarini. Ask him when he last saw the Countess. What does he know of Ward's death? What was he doing when Ward was killed, that sort of thing? Very good. Tell the point it's urgent. Any other developments?
1: John Arnold rang up, furious about the press. We managed to calm him down. What are your plans,
2: Chief? I'm staying here in Monte Carlo overnight. Tomorrow I'm flying to Lausanne. The uh, Countess? All being well. Welcome to the Los Angeles Palace, Superintendent. Did you have a comfortable trip? Reasonably comfortable, thank you. Is Countess Pavarini in her street? Yes, indeed. I suppose she's not up yet. She rang for her breakfast half an hour ago. Shall I let her know that you're here? I think she's expecting you. Ah, that means someone's been on to her. Has she had any phone calls? Yes, I checked as you asked. I have a record of them. Uh, she had a call from Monte Carlo at one o'clock this morning. she? Here you are. Thank you. Yes, hello. I see she rang Paris early this morning. Did she get an answer?
1: Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, yes,
2: she left a message to be rung back. Marco Favolini. And she rang Monte Carlo about ten minutes ago, a six-minute call. Well, thank you. Uh, will you let her know I'm here? I'll go up. Certainly. No, that's all right. I'll find my way. You thank you. They told you to go on your way up. Please sit down. I'll be with you
3: right Oh. Oh, please don't touch it. I must apologize for receiving you in my dressing room. Oh,
2: I'm sorry to have put you to inconvenience, Countess. However, I understand you were expecting me.
3: Yes, yes. Monsieur Van Rylen told me that you had seen him. I'm sorry to have given you all this trouble. I shouldn't have run away. It's all been so unexpected. Right? So so horrible. Oh, forgive me, the same death. Oh... On on the very day that.
2: When you were going to tell Colonel Ward that you decided to leave him, was that what you were going to say?
3: Yes. Are you going to take me back to Paris?
2: Does the prospect frighten you?
3: I don't know. Jeff advised me to go with you if that was what you wanted. I do whatever he tells me. He's a wonderful man, so kind, so intelligent. You feel he can foresee.
2: He didn't foresee the death of his friend, Colonel Ward.
3: No, no. But he foresaw I'd go back to Marco.
2: But you'd go back? Mm. I thought you didn't speak to Count Paverini when you came face to face with him at the nightclub. No,
3: that's true. But all the same, I'd made up my mind. No, I just can't explain it. Things were going so well, I, I thought I was cured of Marco. David and I were going to get married as soon as the final documents were signed.
2: You had no intention of breaking with the Colonel when you went out to dinner with him earlier that evening? No,
3: no. All the same, I suspected it had happened one day. Why? Because it had happened before.
2: You had left the Colonel? Yes. For Marco?
1: Yes.
3: But it didn't work. I knew it wouldn't work this time.
2: And yet you were prepared. Why didn't it work?
3: Marco's got no money. And his mind has I? I've nothing at all. If Jeff hadn't sent money to the bank this morning, the cheque I signed at the airport for my plane ticket would have bounced. He had to give me some money yesterday so that I could come here. I'm very poor. Um,
2: well, what about your jewellery?
3: Oh, I have some jewellery, yes, yes. And, and my name, but that's all.
2: Hmm. What arrangement was there between you and Colonel Ward?
3: He didn't keep me, if that's what you mean. He paid my current expenses. But I never had any money in my bag. Well, come to that, David never had any money about him either. It was Arnold who paid all the bills at the end of the month. Oh, no. That all comes to an end and I'm 39. Oh, forgive me. I... I... I've I got to... he Yes. Sometimes... Sometimes I can laugh for
2: weeks without
3: thinking but well, I, I don't
2: the to I him now. I have. I... Tell me more about Marco.
3: Marco, oh, I haven't decided anything. And when I saw him with that woman at the nightclub, it I was me a shock.
2: Did you know her?
3: Anna de Crooche. Yes. She is divorced, and her ex-husband had business dealings with David. I knew that she and Marco had had an affair at Joe's i have even heard that she decided to marry him.
2: And you were determined to prevent that marriage? Yes. So, it's Marco who should have been killed. What do you mean? Did the thought of killing him never occur to you? Did you never threaten to do so?
3: How did you know that? To Shepton?
2: No.
1: Oh,
3: it wasn't like that. Oh. At the Monsignor, I got a very worked. I, I, I wanted to make a scene, go and drag Marco away from that horrible woman. David insisted on our leaving. In the car, I never said a word. I, I planned to slip out of the hotel later on and go back to the nightclub. David must have guessed because he suggested that we should have a final drink in my sweetheart.
2: Did you tell him you intended to leave him?
3: Oh, I told him everything. Mm. That I was just a bitch. That i I'd never be happy without Marco, but Marco only had to hear him.
2: What did David say?
3: He just went on quietly drinking his whiskey. Hmm.
2: Did anything happen between David and yourself?
3: Oh, you don't understand. Nothing ever happened. David had drunk a good deal, as he always did at that time. After he'd gone, I just wanted to crumple up on my bed and talk. I'm kidding. I, I'm thinking I said that it couldn't work out. with remarkable that it couldn't never work out. That it would be better if I died.
2: How many tablets did you
3: take? No, oh, I don't know. A handful. It made me feel better. I was... I was crying and I began to fall asleep and... I began imagining my dream. And the ashamed. I was afraid it was too late. I I, 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 I couldn't shout. The door pushed me very far away. My arm was heavy, just as in dreams when you're trying to run off. Why are you looking at me like that?
2: Why are you lying, Jimmy? Lying? What about going to the colonel's room? Isn't that what you told them Merlin? Oh.
3: Oh, please, don't. Don't on me. I swear I didn't mean to. It's always like that with me. I, I do what I can. I've got nothing to hide. And then, and then I end up losing my head. <laughs> I don't know what happened
2: to me. You went to the colonel's room eventually. How long after he left you?
3: Oh, I don't know. I remember I smoked several cigarettes. Life suddenly seemed to be terrified. I saw myself as a lonely old woman. That night. I was my last chance. I went not see my night time, but I've eaten breakfast. as far as it's sweet, and I found the door ajar. John. Did you
2: see anyone there?
3: Only oh, him. I nearly screamed. I'm not, not sure that I didn't scream. And I went back to my room.
2: You met no one in the corridor? No, no,
3: I heard the lift going up. That's when I did... Oh, excuse me. Hello? Yes, yes, it was there. It's for you. Oh, thank you.
2: Hello? Chief, Luca here. Ah, I was going to call you shortly. I
1: expected you would, but I thought I'd better put you in the picture at once. Marco Pavarini is here. You found him? He came to turn own call. Turned up some 20 minutes ago and asked to see you. Hmm. I saw him myself. He's in your office with the Charmier at the moment.
2: What does he say? That
1: he only learned about the business through the papers. Last night? This morning. Out of Paris, staying in the country with some friends who are having a shooting party.
2: Did a Dutch lady go with him? Yes, Anna de
1: Groot. They left in her car. Apparently, he saw his ex wife with the colonel at the Monseigneur on the night
2: of the murder. They didn't speak, and he went back with the Dutch woman to her place. Where? To Georges Sang. She's got a suite on the fourth floor. And she? And what time was this?
1: About half past three. He went to bed and didn't leave the suite until ten this morning when he and his girlfriend drove off to the country in her car. Just before sitting out on the chute, he glanced at the papers, saw the reports, and drove straight back to Paris. I've sent someone out to check up on all this, but they haven't come back yet.
2: And what impression did he make on you?
1: He was perfectly at ease. Quite a nice fellow, in fact. What do you
2: want me to do? Uh, send Le Point to the George Stank. Let him investigate the comings and goings on the night of the murder and... Question the night star. As for my... Ma- as for your visitor, you can't do anything at this juncture. Let him go. Tell him not to leave Paris, but have someone keep an eye on him. I'll ring you back later. I understand. Goodbye, chief. Goodbye. What is he? Who?
3: Marco.
2: You were talking about me, was not Yes. Are you sure you didn't meet him in the corridors of the Georges Tank the other night? Doing-
3: with her, wasn't he just above my head? Oh, yes, I know. She always says that the George sunk. I, I found out where her wounds were. They they were in bed together, laughing, making a laugh. Are
2: you not thinking, perhaps, that Marshall was elsewhere doing something very different? Possibly in the bathroom of the Colonel's suite, holding his head underwater.
3: What? Are you mad? How
1: dare you! You monster! Ruth! Oh,
2: Stop it, I tell you.
1: Stop
2: it at oh. once. Oh. Let me go.
1: Let me go. Oh. Oh. Yes? Come in. Excuse me, dear. I've come to collect the breakfast tray.
2: huh. Oh. That'll be all right, Supreme I've had you booked on the four o'clock flight to Paris. Oh, good. You want to give yourself an hour for Geneva Airport. By the way, I gather the Countess is also booked on that flight. Oh, thank you, Monsieur Lidl. Well, I shall have over three hours to cool my heels, get to know Lausanne rather better. Well, here, I think, is someone who will help you do that. Hmm? Chief Inspector Monchois, Lausanne C.I.D. Right? A friend of yours, I believe. Oh, Monchois, my dear fellow. I hardly recognize you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how long is it? Oh, nearly ten years, my great. Uh, it's good to see you. I was delighted to hear that you honoured us with your presence. Uh, may I have the pleasure of entertaining you to lunch? Oh, you may indeed. There's nothing I'd like better. Well, there's a quiet little place by the lake. You look right away. I've got a car waiting. Well, then let us proceed. Thank you for your good offices, Monsieur Le Dior. My I pleasure, Sir Brinda. It's a charming situation. Well, this wine is excellent. Cool let me refill your glass. Go oh, ahead. Now, you say the Countess is well known here? Hmm? Oh, yes. She spends part of each year in Lausanne. Uh, We knew Colonel Ward, too, and practically all the people you're concerned with. Oh, by the way, Ward's third wife left in a hurry this morning for Paris. Uh, Muriel Halligan. uh, Muriel Ward. Uh, The divorce isn't absolute yet, and she still uses his name. Mm -hmm. What sort of a woman is she? An American woman. (laughs) You mean she's after the best term she can get for the settlement? Well, she chose the best lawyers in the country. You can imagine what that's costing. Apparently, her case is that since her husband has accustomed her to a certain standard of living, he must enable her to maintain it to the end of her days. I suppose that while the case is sub judice, the wife is careful to avoid any indiscretion. Careful? Oh, yes. Uh, you have met Mr. John Arnold, I suppose. Oh, yes? No, he turned up at the Georges Stank before anyone else. He's a bachelor. Yes. Uh, at one time, it was just that he was homosexual. I know from the staff of hotels where he stays that this is not the case. What else do you know? Well, besides being the Colonel's business agent, he was also his confidant. Uh, apart from his legal wives, the Colonel used to have passing affairs with various women. As he was too lazy or found it embarrassing to make such casual propositions, Arnold saw the things for him. Ah, I see what you mean. Then you can guess the rest. Arnold took his commission in kind. It is also said he did so with Ward's legal wives. You're him? Well, he has twice been to Lausanne to see her, alone. Hmm. The Countess? Oh, undoubtedly. Did Ward know? I think Ward suspected a great deal, but didn't mind very much. Like his friend Van Merlin, whom you met in Monte Carlo, neither expected from women more than they were likely to get. Uh, well, I have a favour to ask of you, Mourjois. please. Well, I gather the Countess is planning to return to Paris by the same plane as myself. Yes, I heard the hotel manager mentioning something of the kind. Well, she's in a rather hysterical state at the moment. Well, I understand it, maybe. But if she finds she's on the same plane as myself, especially with the press snooping, she's liable to create a scene. It'd be much better if she could be persuaded to take the night train... Sleeping quietly in a couchette by herself might help to soothe her nerves. <laughs> I follow. I think that could be arranged, my friend. I should be grateful. It will be done with the greatest tact and consideration. You have my word. Ah, here comes our main course, the house speciality. You're going to enjoy this, and don't worry about the time. I'll have one of our cars run you to the airport. Luca. All right, Chief. Had a good trip? Not bad. What's the report?
4: The point carried out a very detailed check on the night staff at the George Tank as you ordered. It's on your desk. Good. Apart from that?
2: A lot of activity.
4: Endless coming and goings. Visits from all sorts of people, including De Monto, the lawyer. Phone calls to London, Amsterdam, Lausanne. Journalists in the hotel lobby wanting to know about the funeral, the will, everything.
2: Hmm. What about Arnold.
4: Well, this morning he went to the Hotel Bristol and conferred for about an hour with Filth, the English solicitor who came over yesterday. Then they went to an American bank in the Avenue de Lopera and a British bank in the Place Vendôme. Mm-hmm. In both, they were received by the manager and stayed for a longish time. But when they separated, the solicitor took a taxi back to his hotel. And Arnold? He went to the Hotel de Grand Augustin at a quarter to one and was joined by Ward's wife.
2: Muriel Halligan.
4: Yes, Apparently, she'd arrived at Orly at half past 11.
2: Did they lunch together?
4: Yes, in a little restaurant on the Rue Jacques, which looks like a bistro, but it's very expensive. They chatted like old friends, but spoke too quietly to be overheard. <laughs> then Arnold took her back to her hotel and went off in a taxi to meet Philp again.
2: Oh, thank you. Mm. You look tired, Chief. Oh, do I? Uh, shall we go for a quiet meal at the Brasserie Dauphine? That's a good idea. Oh, come on then. I'll pick up Le report on the way out.
4: Are you on to anything?
2: Maybe. No, I don't know. Anyway, after we've eaten, I'm going to spend the rest of the night having a prowl around the George Shank. We'll see what comes of that. Good evening. Good evening, monsieur. What can I do for you? Is Monsieur Gilles in his office? Monsieur Gilles has gone home, Monsieur. Ah. Can I help? Well, I'm Superintendent Maygrave. Ah. The keys of 332 and 347. I have them here. Ah, thanks. I just want to warn you that I intend to wander about the hotel for a while. I quite understand. The staff have been instructed to let you come and go as you please. Oh, good. Well, don't worry. I'll be as discreet as possible.
0: Thank you, Superintendent. Just let me know if you should want
2: anything. Thank you. I will. (laughs) In a hotel, a detective is about as welcome as a thief. Everything must be discreet. Everything must turn on well oiled wheels. For the people who patronize these places, it must be their home. Everything must be arranged, looked after, made convenient. What would happen if they were plunged into ordinary life? Would the wards, Van Merlin's, Beverly's, be capable of elbowing their way through a crowd to take the metro, consulting a timetable? Calling carrying a suitcase. And if this five-star life of theirs suddenly threatened, how would they react? Can I help you, Superintendent? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, can I direct you anywhere? Uh, I'm looking for the bar. Uh, straight ahead, Monsieur. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening, Superintendent. What would you like? Have you any Calvados? Calvados? Oh, we don't often get asked for that. It's just for a moment while well, I find mm. it. well Let's see what LaPointe's report says about the bar. Uh 10 p.m., a barman noticed Arnold in the left hand corner by the window in the company of three Americans, who included a film producer and an actor's agent. They were playing poker. According to the night porter, the third man, who is not a hotel guest, was seen taking his leave of Arnold in the foyer about 2 a.m.? Your are monsieur. Ah, thank you. Now, tell me, those three men playing poker over there, are they Americans? That's right. One on the left's a film producer. He's quite famous, I believe. A mm. uh, man near to him is a, an actor's agent. I don't, I don't know what the third man does. Were they here the night before last? One of your inspectors asked yes, they were. Was Mr. Arnold with them? <laughs> Mr. Arnold made up the fourth. Hmm. Look, I'd like you to do something for me. Oh, what? What sort of something? Well, when I get up and leave in a moment, go across and explain to them whom I am. Say I'm conducting an investigation and acquire corroboration for for a statement. Now ask the third man, the one with fair hair, if it's true that he's not staying at this hotel, and that when he left the night before last, it was Mr. Arnold who saw him out at the foyer. Ah, a bit unusual. No, just do as I say. Well, all right. You tell me, sir. Right. Now, go across now. I'll be back later. Well, I, uh, I close the bar at one. No, oh, I'll be back by then. I, I'm just going to wander around for a while. Good evening, Monsieur. Mm. Can I help you? Yes, yes. I've been walking by the hotel and now I'm lost. You can tell me where I am. You're on the third floor, monsieur, in the service area. Oh, the third floor? You're the night waiter? Uh, yes, monsieur. Uh, you're Superintendent Maygrey, aren't you? Ah, you've been warned about me. What's your name? Jules, monsieur. Well, Jules, something you can tell me. If I wanted to get out of the hotel as quickly as possible, meeting as few people as possible... Which way should I go? Just keep on down these service stairs, monsieur. Yeah. Uh, when you get to the bottom, the exit is facing you. Uh, come over here, monsieur. Yeah? Uh, if you look down through this window, you can just see the doorway. Ah, I see. There's a man in a white jacket coming out. Where's he going? Uh, probably to the bar in the Rue Magellan. It's used a lot by Monsieur. Uh, yes, there he goes. Mm, I see. Does he stay open all night? Oh, yes. It's quite often patronized by hotel guests coming back in the small hours. Some nice girls go there. Yeah, thank you, Jules. By the way, I'm going to look round 332 and 347. I've got the keys. That's all right, monsieur. You've been told about that. Hmm. Well, everything appears to be in order. Hmm. Still some whiskey there, huh? sir.
1: No harm in it.
2: And a pipe, I think. So why was Ward killed? Hmm. Someone in his circle must have been threatened or felt threatened with suddenly having to live like everyone else and couldn't face the prospect. Ward's death must have ensured the person concerned to keep the way of life to which he or she was accustomed. Someone who knew Ward's ways... The knew that he always got into his bar so sauseled that he would hardly put up a struggle as his head was held firmly under water? Mm. Uh, <clears throat> Oh, there you are. It's, mm. it's one o'clock. I was just closing. Did you manage to find out anything from the Americans? Yeah, I uh, was rather surprised that it wasn't the way things were done in their country. Oh. The haired uh, man said he wasn't quite sure what happened the other evening because he was pretty drunk. But he thought he remembered saying good night to Mr. Arnold in the foyer. No. Yeah. He was under the impression that Mr. Arnold was staying in the hotel. You're quite sure about that? He thought that Arnold was staying here at the George Sank... That's what I gathered. I'm sorry to get you out of bed, Lucar, but things have become rather urgent.
1: That's all right, Chief.
2: What time is it? You're about half past one. Now, look, it's a bit of a shot in the dark, but it can't wait. I'm rounding up certain witnesses who may or may not have seen the person we want to interview about the night of the murder. Now, LaPointe is picking them up now. He knows where to find them. I want them put in the inspector's room and seated in the following order. Uh, the night waiter and the housekeeper of the third floor of the George Sank, the barman of a bar in the Rue Michelin, two tarts who frequent the place and who were there on the night in question, an old girl who sells flowers halfway between the Georges Sank and the Hotel Screed, and possibly the reception clerk at the Screed. And I, I want you and LaPointe. To be seated at your desks, going through papers which might be taken for depositions. Have you got all that?
1: Yes, Chief.
2: Good. I'll be with you shortly. I'm just on my way to the Hotel Scribe. Good evening, Monsieur. Uh, good evening, Superintendent Maigret, Police Judiciaire. Where's my authority? What can I do to you, Superintendent? Is Mr. John Arnold in? Yes, sir. He came in about half past ten. Is that his usual time? No, normally he's much later. What time did he come in last night? Um, Shortly after midnight. And the night before, after three o'clock? Possibly. You know, we're not obliged to give information about the comings and goings of our guests. You are if the police require it. Oh, I see. In that case, yes, it was after three o'clock. Half past three, to be exact. I remember, because it was shortly before I was called up to quieten some noisy guests. Oh, thank you. Well, I must warn you to hold yourself in readiness in case your testimony is required at the K-Days of Fave later tonight. Now, will you be kind enough to put me through to John Arnold? Just bring his room. I'll speak to him myself. You're very well.
3: Let's ring Here
2: you are. Thanks. Um, Mr. Arnold? Who is that? Uh, Superintendent Maygray. I'm sorry to disturb you, Mr. Arnold, at this hour, but I need your help. The matter is very urgent. Uh, what, what's it about? Where are you? Uh, downstairs in your hotel. I, I'd like to come up and talk to you. Can't wait till morning? Well, the matter is extremely urgent. Yeah. Oh, very well, then. You'd better come up. Thank you. Come in, Superintendent. Thank you. Uh, Once again, I must apologise for getting you up at this hour. I went to bed early. I had a very heavy day. Yes, I imagine there's a great deal to do in the matter of Colonel Ward's estate. I gather the English lawyers over here. Yes, it's all very complicated. Uh, Well, uh, how can I help you? As you say, it is all very complicated. uh, My men at police headquarters have made certain discoveries which I should like to bring to your attention. Discoveries? I think it would be best if we went into this with the evidence before us. As you yourself stress, Colonel Ward's death is bound to have widespread repercussions. If you wouldn't mind getting dressed and coming along with me, where to? In my office at the Cadiz Fave. Well, can't we talk here? Well, not in the circumstances. No. Well, no, very well. Give me a few minutes. Certainly. I'll get the desk to call a taxi. Uh, This is the inspector's room. After you, Mr. Arnold.
1: I'll call you back.
2: I, I... Did you say something, Mr. Arnold? Uh, No, nothing. Uh, Have you the written statements, Luca? Yes,
1: Chief.
2: Good. Uh, This way, Mr. Arnold. My office is over there. Please go in. Who uh, who are all those people out there? Well, didn't you recognize them? No, why should I? They know you. What do you mean? Well, there's one more to come, a reception clerk from your hotel. He noted your return at 3.30 two nights ago. What of it? Uh, he's the last of a chain of witnesses to your movements the night before last, when you were seen emerging from Colonel Ward's suite just after three in the morning the time the murder was committed. They're seated next door in the order in which they saw you. I'll call them in one by one so that they can describe in their own words. Stop. You wish to tell me something?
1: Uh,
3: I, I, well, I... please
2: sit down, Mr. Arnold, if you don't feel well. You've no proof. Proof of what? We know of your close association with Ward's wife, Muriel Ward. During the two-year period, her lawyers were haggling with the colonels over the divorce settlement. Now, By the way, when was the divorce going to become absolute? In three days' time. Hmm. She soon realized that even the best terms she could expect to receive as a divorced wife would compare very unfavorably with the extremely large estate she would inherit as his widow. But to achieve this, she needed an accomplice.
1: Oh, this is fantastic.
2: A man who would grasp the opportunity to secure the life to which he too had become accustomed. And if the prospective wealthy widow, with whom this man had established intimate relations, offered him marriage, on condition that he disposed of her husband... Oh, this is preposterous.
3: There's not a shred of evidence.
2: Very well, Mr. Arnold. In that case, I have no alternative but to bring Muriel Ward in for questioning. She will sit where you are sitting now and I shall go on questioning her without let up until I get the answers I seek. You want me to do that? Well, Mr. Arnold? Mm-hmm. No. then you confess to the murder of David Ward? Yes. And you're prepared to make a statement to that effect? Just a moment. Luca?
4: Superintendent?
2: Will you come and take a statement from Mr. Arnold, please? Right away, Chief. Uh, Just a moment. Come over here. The witnesses can go. We don't need them now. He's confessed. Yes, thank God my bluff worked. He assumed that all those witnesses had seen him on the night of the murder, and that by piecing their evidence together, I would have an open and shut case. You bluffed him? <laughs> yes. Fifty percent fact and fifty percent guesswork. I bluffed him, and he cracked. I'll take down his confession carefully. It's the only thing that will convict him. I'll see to it, Chief. I'm going home. Oh, I'm certainly very, very tired. Look at him sitting in there. What sort of an impression does he give you?
4: Mr. Arnold?
2: A man who has lost the game. You're right, he has. Treat him gently. Good night, Mr. Arnold.
0: Morris Denham played Superintendent May in May and the Millionaires by Georges Simenon. Translated by Jean Stewart and dramatized for radio by Malcolm Stewart. Lucas was played by Brian Haynes, Lapointe, John Rye, Mr. Arnold, Andrew Sachs, the Countess, Jane Wenham, Van Merlin, David March, Jules, Michael Bilton, the Maid, Moya Leslie, the Nurse, Carol Boyd, Director, William Eadle, the Manager of the Georges Saint, Jeffrey Collins, the hotel doctor Timothy Bateson, the prosecutor Arnold Diamond, the magistrate Clive Panto, Dr. Powell Michael Tudor Barnes, Inspector Benoit Ian Oliver, Jean Sean Barrett, the masseur Mark Straker and the manager of the Lausanne Palace, Bernard Brown. The play was directed by Glyn Dearman.